Please have a seat. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. So we've been reading, uh, you may have been reading love poetry during this last week in Immersed Poets, and I must admit I've really enjoyed reading it. And uh, we may know more love poetry than we realize. Uh, for instance, we may be familiar with Elizabeth Barrett Browning's 43rd sonnet, or at least the first part of it. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. Or William Shakespeare's sonnet 116 that begins, let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when an alteration finds or bends with a remover to remove, oh no. It is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. These days, we're probably more familiar with love poetry in terms of what's sung. We may come into contact with it most frequently if we're ever at a wedding and it comes to the last dance, or the first dance it is, and uh, the couple have probably chosen a song which expresses their love for each other whether it's Brian Adams, everything I do, I do for you, or whatever it happens to be. You can tell my taste of music are a bit old. Or it could be something more modern like Ed Sheeran's Perfect. I'm not going to sing it for you, but it starts off, I found a love for me. Darling, just dive right in and follow my lead. Well, I found a girl beautiful and sweet. Oh, I never knew you were the someone waiting for me. I reckon we could probably sing it if we had a go at it, couldn't we? But don't worry. And Ed Sheeran wrote that for his bride-to-be, Cherry. And the ones that resonate with us often most powerfully are ones which are written in the first person. They're written by someone to express their love for another person. And love poetry is, is to be read, is to be sung, is to be listened to, is to be enjoyed. And it must have been I've really enjoyed reading Song of Songs over this last week or so. And every culture has its own collection of love poetry. Today, ours is probably sung poetry that we know from um, the last number of decades in terms of um, songs, love songs. But Ancient Israel's love poetry, its book of love songs, is what we've been reading over the last wee while, Song of Songs. And Song of Songs means, like Holy of Holies, it means more wonderful than any other. So the title of this book in the Bible is basically, here's the song of all songs. Here's the song more wonderful than any other. It's written in the wisdom tradition of Solomon, not necessarily written by Solomon himself, but because Solomon is known for his love of wisdom and poetry and learning, it's described as being of Solomon. It certainly seems to be written by someone who is expressing love for one other human being. So it's possible that it's not Solomon who had written it because he had 700 wives. But often we take up poetry or song and we use it to 
express our love. Every time you see that first dance at a wedding, at a wedding reception, we're understanding the fact that the couple aren't singing the song, but they are with their eyes, they're singing the song into the hearts and lives of the person with whom they're dancing. The main voices in Song of Songs, as I mentioned, are the young man, the young woman, and the young woman of Jerusalem, who we imagine may well be the bride's friends. There's a pattern that recurs again and again in the songs. The bride is desperately seeking for her beloved. She eventually finds him, and just as the scene gets a bit racy, the poem ends and another one begins. The Hebrew metaphors expressed by the young man and the young woman are not meant to be visually understood. We're a very visual culture, but they're meant to be thought through and reflected on. So whenever the young man describes his young bride-to-be in terms of having a neck like a tar and having waves of hair that are like goats coming down a mountainside. We're not meant to try and picture the person visually in that way, but to try and think, well, what is the, the richness of the beauty of the meaning of what's being said? So here's some dialogue from chapter 6 of Song of Songs. The first part is the sort of, it's the voice of, chorus, of the chorus. It's, it's the young woman of Jerusalem who are speaking to the young woman. And they say, where has your lover gone, O woman of rare beauty? Which way did he turn so we can help you find him? And the young woman replies, my lover has gone down to his garden, to his spice beds, to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. I am my lover's, and my lover is mine. He browses among the lilies. And the young man responds, You're beautiful, my darling, like the lovely city of Tirzah. Yes, as beautiful as Jerusalem, as majestic as an army with billowing banners. Turn your eyes away, for they overpower me. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep they are freshly, that are freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched to its twin. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Even among 60 queens and 80 concubines and countless young women, I would still choose my love, my perfect one the favorite of her mother, dearly loved by the one who bore her. The young women see her and praise her. Even queens and royal concubines sing her praises. Who is this, they say, arising like the dawn, as fair as the moon, as bright as the sun, as majestic as an army with billowing banners? These poems highlight the power and intensity of love, how it's both beautiful but also dangerous. That like fire, love can destroy people if it's abused, or it can be life-giving if it's protected. Love expresses the insatiable human longing 
to know and to be fully known and desired by another. Love is one of the most mysterious and transcendent experiences of human life. It's a gift from God that cannot be bought. As the last chapter of Song of Songs concludes, love is strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. Song of Songs poetically expresses sexual desire and love between a man and a woman. When read as part of the Old Testament, we notice the frequent garden imagery echoing Eden, the garden of delight, in which the man and the woman were naked and vulnerable, yet unified and safe. Their relationship is untainted by sin. The song holds out hope of Eden restored and recognizes that love between a man and a woman is a transcendent gift that points to something greater, the gift of God's love that will one day permeate and transform His beloved world. As Christians, we know that through Jesus Christ, God has embraced fallen and broken-hearted human beings. And the hymn writer William Rees expressed it like this, here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us His precious blood. Who His love will not remember? Who can cease to sing His praise? He will never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the Mount of Crucifixion, fountains open deep and wide, through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above, and heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. At His baptism, Jesus heard the wonderful words of affirmation from His Father, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And by the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, the one who is the beloved Son, He is your Father as well. In your baptism, or in your infant baptism with later confirmation, you were united with Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is all about being united with Christ, becoming one with Jesus Christ. And as Ephesians chapter 1 says, because we are united with Christ, we are accepted in the Beloved. In other words, as, as God our Heavenly Father looks at us, He doesn't see our failings and our, our sin and our brokenness 
he sees the beauty and perfection of Jesus Christ. So we are accepted in the beloved. That is the heart of Christianity. We are united with Christ, and therefore we are accepted by the Father of Jesus Christ. We are accepted in the Beloved. And that's why we express so much devotion to Jesus Christ and sing songs about Jesus Christ and songs to Jesus Christ. I must admit, whenever I became a Christian at 14 years of age, and I went along to our youth fellowship at the local church, and, and we sang this chorus. I don't know if you've ever sung this chorus, but it goes like this, I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. The second verse goes on to talk about, he brought me to the banqueting table. As a 14-year-old boy, I found that I found it at first deeply uncomfortable to sing a song, I am my beloved's and he is mine. But you know, as the years and decades have gone on, and I've discovered more what it means to have a relationship with my heavenly Father by being bonded and united with Jesus Christ. I've, I've come to love singing songs like that. There's a song which I've had sort of a, a love-hate relationship with that um, was released probably about, I don't know, maybe about eight or ten years ago uh, by a band called well, David Crowder and his band, and uh, I didn't like it very much because the, the last verse used to go, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest, and I didn't like it because I just didn't like the phrase sloppy wet kiss. It wasn't so much that I had, was in that place anymore where I I, didn't, I, I don't mind Song of Songs now being used as, as a type of devotional song between me and my Lord. But I can understand, particularly for us men, and I can understand if you're new to Christian faith or exploring Christian faith, and you read Song of Songs, and you realize that part of the reason why it's in the Bible, yes, the primary reason, is because it expresses love between a man and a woman. It is an erotic love poem, first and foremost, and we shouldn't try and dismiss that. But actually, in being part of Scripture, it is there for another reason, and it is there to help us as followers of Jesus Christ express in the voice of the young woman as the church of Jesus Christ, as the bride of Christ, what does it look like to be utterly devoted to the groom who is Jesus Christ our Lord? And I think we will find as we go on in our Christian faith, and let me say this particularly to the men here, as you go on in your Christian faith, you will discover the wonderful truth 
of what it means to be loved by Jesus Christ, to be known by Jesus Christ, and to love Him with all your heart. It is not a sexual love. It transcends sexual love. But the truth of that has taken me years and decades to understand. And strangely for me in these last months, the song that I've listened to more than any other in my times of devotion in the morning is that song by David Crowder. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And we are his portion and he is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. I prefer that version. <laughs> and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves us. I suppose it's, it's like Simon Peter sitting on the beach having a conversation with the resurrected Christ. And Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, he was saying to him three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than anyone? And do you love me more than anything? And ultimately, that has to be the heart of our Christian faith. That is the reality into which we are invited. to be totally vulnerable with Jesus Christ and to be loved by him in a way which transcends human love. It transcends the falling in love between a man and a woman. Glorious though that is, there is a greater love. There is a higher love. I think that's where we find that, as that song we sang a moment ago, it is well with my soul. I think the only way truly to get to the place where we can sing that wholeheartedly and fully is to get to the place to know that we are totally known by God and we are utterly accepted because we are bonded irrevocably to Jesus Christ. I think all of us need to 
to know and understand that. I think we as men particularly need to know and understand that. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, Be Thou My Vision. And I think one of the reasons why the world is in such bad shape is because we as human beings, and particularly men, have lost sight of what it means to be loved with a love that transcends human love. I think when we as men and women know that and discover that, that takes us to a place where all other affections are dim in the light of that. Strangely, what happens whenever we embrace that love is that actually our love for the people around us actually also goes to a completely new place. I remember years ago talking to a guy called Steve on a, on a mission trip to Dungannon. He was a guy from England, and he told his story about how he, as a young man, sensed the call to become a Christian. But he just couldn't get his head around the fact that he was being called to love God and to put God first in his life because he thought that my wife should be the primary love in my life. But eventually, after months of wrestling, he put his faith in Jesus Christ, and he trusted the fact that if he, if he put Jesus Christ first, if he loved him above all else, that what the preacher had said would be true, that he would love the people around him with a love greater than he'd ever experienced before. When Steve got home that night, his wife was already in bed asleep, and so he went to bed, and he woke up in the morning, and he woke up first, and his heart was filled with a new lightness and a new joy in his knowledge of being loved by his heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. And as he, he said, as he turned his head and looked at his wife, as she was asleep beside him on the pillow, he said, I can honestly say I loved her with a love with which I had never loved her before. That's the type of love with which your heavenly Father loves you. His Son, Jesus Christ, loves you and the Holy Spirit loves you. Shall we stand together?